Welcome to The Marcus Warren Show, powered by 960 Digital and the Wealth Empowerment Network. Now, here is your host, Marcus Warren. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the number one retirement and tax planning show in the region, The Marcus Warren Show. I am your host, financial advisor, tax and road agent, and author of the retirement and tax playbooks, Marcus Warren. And I hope everyone is doing well on this Sunday. And to my left, I am joined by our resident tax professional, D. How you doing, D? Hello and happy Sunday. And remember that if you miss any parts of the show and you want to catch up on anything you missed, all you have to do is subscribe to the Marcus Warren Show podcast. You can do that via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Also, throughout the show, we will be offering our retirement rescue game plan which is a physical packet of information that will help rescue your retirement from all the risks that threatens your nest egg once you are close and in retirement. In that game plan, you'll get a copy of my two books, a few different financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. And you may be asking yourself, how can I get that? Well, you can get that by going to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. Go to the site, put in your information, and that retirement rescue game plan will be delivered free of charge to your front door. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net to get the goodies. A lot of good stuff in there. All right, so we are at the, or almost the end of um, 2022, just kidding, uh, January. And I know, and it's already gone fast. And um, Flying by flying by um and we're almost already into uh, uh february and we're um i talked about it a little bit last time that we're well into uh tax season for the most part um and uh what we do in our office is we try to plan for taxes and of course uh making sure that everybody is set up for a good retirement however um most people think they can plan now when it's too late too late now because you have to because right now people are just preparing your taxes not planning taxes. Anyway, um, what do I want to do? Oh, I, I got a lot to talk about. I want to get into some money matters. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, All right. So, you know, we always hear that uh, we currently have this retirement crisis. We're in this retirement crisis. That people haven't saved enough, uh, so forth or so on. I talk about the great risk shift where the risk have shifted for retirement has shifted from the employers moving over to the uh, employees uh, with the uh, lack of pensions now and more people are in these defined contribution plans, 401ks, uh, 403bs, things of that nature where they have to put money away. And what we're finding is uh, the fact that you know, most people haven't saved enough. Um, and a lot of times really, you know, how can you you know, blame them for the most part? Because yes, the ideal overall situation for saving for retirement is, hey, pay yourself first, um, put away 10 to 15% of your income and just do that uh, each pay period each year and you will uh, be fine. However, we all know that that life happens and, you know, really, when, when you think about it, when I say life happens, I mean, you have bills, food, uh, health care, uh, transportation costs, child care costs, things of that nature that is tugging away at you short term 
which clouds your vision for the long term. And that is why we're in this current retirement crisis. And when, really, when you think about it, um, you know, the cost of not having a lot of money, you know, being low, um, middle class, whatever that may be, it's expensive. You know, it, it's expensive to, um, to not have money. Um, you know, when you don't have money, uh, you're, you're often forced to make decisions uh, that seem necessary in the short term. Just like I said, life happens. And these decisions, they add to your long-term burden, um, adding to the high cost of really just not having a lot of income coming in, right? Being uh, middle class, low, low, low income, middle class, whatever that may be. And it can lead to the cycle of you just always breaking even, right? Because nobody always, nobody wants to break even each and every month or each and every year. But, uh, and of course, nobody wants to live with expenses that exceed their income or makes them struggle from, from paycheck to paycheck. And the reality is, is not having that, uh, that uh, excessive income that, that, that comes in, it, uh, it, it imposes conditions that can perpetuate this cycle. So let me explain uh, what I'm talking about. Now, I don't want to get into this theoretical um, discussion, you know, looking at the sociology of uh, cl- the class system uh, and wealth. Um, I want to take a more uh, concrete approach and really talk about the actual cost imposed by, you know, this financial stress that a lot of people may have. And when, and, and when you think about it, the, the, the cost of, you know, not, you know, having enough um, uh, being low income for the most part, it doesn't start out with things just literally being more expensive, right? A gallon of gas is a gallon of gas, Right. But it starts out as, uh, as cost, as a percentage of your income, and especially with what inflation is doing right now, right? The cost of goods and services is going up and up and up. And now everything requires a bigger chunk of what you have, and it leaves you with fewer choices. Let me explain. So um, when you, uh, to understand the, the, the cost of, you know, being uh, in a... Uh, lower income environment, low middle class, uh, you have to understand how uh, the typical average American spends their money. Um, And when we're looking at middle income or lower income people, especially as compared to higher income people, um, the majority of the income that goes in basically goes in to pay for uh, most of their necessities. What do I mean by that? Um, we'll say you have a dollar that comes in, right? That dollar that comes in, 80% of it basically goes to just pays for your necessities, just for you to live. Basically, not basically leaving you with little or nothing to save for the future. Um, you know, housing, food, transportation, it generally, it generally dominates spending for your typical uh, average American uh, household. Um, and so let's talk about uh, why it costs so much. Um, you know, to be uh, in, in, in that lower income bracket, so to speak. All right, you ready for this? Here we go. So let's talk about housing. Now, um, if you can qualify for a mortgage, um, that, that's good because, you know, right now mortgage rates are, are fairly low. Um, and right now you have a big leg up on people who are renting because I know we talked about it a, a couple of episodes ago where the cost of rents 
are going to continue to, to go up. But uh, home ownership tends to be a little more expensive for um, lower income Americans. Number one, uh, they generally have higher interest rates, right? Um, you know, higher income individuals, they usually have better credit. Um, and that gets them lower interest rates on their mortgage. Um, and so uh, if you don't have the income, if you've had some issues with credit, then you're going to be paying higher interest rates if you, if you own a home. And then, of course, if you have a limited budget, right, uh, generally uh, translates into higher maintenance cost. And so people who, uh, if you buy a home on that limited budget, you're going to have to settle for homes in, that are not maybe in tip-top shape, and that jacks up maintenance cost. Um, and, and, and like I said, say you're not able to afford a home, then you have to rent. And uh, rent these days is uh, really uh, increasing higher than the rate of inflation. And if you take um, last year and this year, inflation is, is at 6%, but the cost of rents are going up a lot higher. And so a lot of your money and income that comes in is just going to pay for housing. And that's just housing. Let's move on to the next one. Let's move on to food because I love to eat. And, uh, you know, that's a, that's a big, big expense, especially for me. And, you know, at one time I had four kids running around in the house. And so um, food costs, they're up there. And, um, and now uh, with one who's off to college and three who's still there, um, it seems like the food costs have even shot up even more uh, for a number of different reasons. One is they're all growing and getting bigger. And then two, just what I just talked about previously, inflation, man, stuff is expensive out there now. Anyway, so um, lower income families, um, they don't just pay a higher percentage of their income for food and basic household needs. They also pay higher prices. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Number one is just access uh, to food. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, lower income people. Um, who live in what are called food deserts, or sometimes when I read it, food desserts, um, but uh, food deserts um, with few, few or no uh, stores that are you know selling uh, uh, food, so to speak, um, and they and and they may have lower access or less access to transportation to go out there and and get that food, and so that leaves them with the option of just buying at convenience stores. Or at fast food restaurants. And uh, when you, by the way, if you've ever, ever been to a 7-Eleven, Thornton's, uh, what else do they have? A Circle K, uh, Pick Pack, uh, a Wawa, and other uh, locations. Okay. Um, huh. These are convenience stores. Oh, okay. All right. Those prices are a lot higher than if you go to a Kroger, also known as K-Roger, or a Safeway, a Piggly Wiggly, uh, a Publix, you know. Right. A Tom Thumb. I'm just you know throwing out my knowledge of all these uh, grocery chains. Dominic's. Yes, but um, uh, where was I? Oh, so yeah, convenience store prices are a lot higher than what you would pay at uh, your average grocery store. And so if you live in one of these food deserts, then you can find yourself paying a lot higher prices for bananas, milk, eggs, whatever it may be, right? So the cost, it can be expensive to be uh, in these lower income environments. Uh, you can't buy in bulk. You can't go to Costco or Sam's Club, right? Because those are generally reserved for the uh, nicer areas, more affluent areas to buy in that bulk, which makes things cheaper uh, for people who live in those areas. Um, you know, of course, uh, the uh, restrictions on, uh, on, on cooking. Uh, what do I mean by that? So 
there are some low-income families out there who may not have, um, you know, kitchens or may not be able to be uh, able to cook in their residence uh, simply because of lack of space, refrigerators, freezers, uh, making food storage difficult. And of course, that increased spoilage and waste. So they do not buy those foods that can easily go to waste quickly. Uh, that means families rely on uh, fast food brought from outside the home. Uh, of course, that's less nutrition. And of course, the cost of that is uh, doesn't seem a lot at the time, but those costs accumulate and that is another reason why it is really expensive to, you know, be lower income, so to speak, because it's it, it's this it, it's this um, you know invisible tax that you just have to pay. And then in, in regards to retirement planning, like I'm saying, as you're paying for cost of, I talked about housing, I talked about food. It doesn't leave you for any money or that that discretionary income to then either pay yourself first or even think about putting money away in a 401k, a retirement plan, an IRA, uh, anything like that. All right. So I still want to hit on this point and talk about why we have this retirement crisis. And, you know, one of the main reasons is because it is expensive to not have a lot of money. You're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. Yeah, this is uh, Destiny's Child, Bills, Bills, Bills. This song came out in 1999, number one in the U.S., number six in the U.K. It's good. This is peak Destiny's Child. Yes. And um, this is song is fitting, you know, because we're talking about the great retirement crisis. Uh, middle class, lower income folks who can't put away as much money for retirement because they have all these bills and these uh, things that that go out. And um, you know, it's a it's a reality that I don't think that people uh, you know really think about. And uh, we're going to talk about that. So um, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. And so as I said, we were talking you know, about um, the retirement crisis and the fact that, man, it is expensive to be lower income and not have um, much money to put away and pay yourself first or contribute to your company retirement plans or whatever that may be. And I talked about housing and I talked about uh, food earlier and how those prices or not specifically prices, but how those costs um, basically are a lot more expensive or can be more expensive for uh, lower income uh, earners and things of that nature. And I, I want to continue that discussion and I want to talk about some other um, factors and some other things that um, tend to be uh, more expensive when you're lower income. Number one is transportation, right? Um, you know, it's a daily uh, necessity. You got to get to and from work. Uh, you got to bring kids to and from school. Um, the list goes on. Unfortunately, many parts of the U.S., they have limited public transportation, to say the least, right? Um, you know, if you go uh, 
New York, Chicago, um, heck, go overseas. Uh, there, that that infrastructure as far as uh, buses and and trains and subways and all that stuff is is uh, a lot more accessible. Um, and if you can't afford a car, and public transportation is not accessible, uh, then there's Uber, which is not cheap. Um, and that raises your transportation cost and can contribute to the high cost of being low income in the first place, right? I was talking about that cycle. Um, and so, you know, many people do need cars. And if you're living on a low income, it can be uh, a, a car can be a serious burden. Um, let's discuss some of the factors. So um, financing. I talked about mortgages and houses, and when you don't have that higher credit score, um, you can substantially pay higher interest rates on your house and or your car. Um, maintenance, same with the house. I talked about, hey, if you uh, don't have a lot of money, you may have to buy a house that a fixer-upper, and you don't have the fixer-upper money or something that's a little less quality, and so you're going to have higher maintenance costs, the same with a car. Um, and that could end up... Uh, costing you uh, a lot, especially when you have uh, a purchase a lemon, you know what I mean? And when you have a car, you can't make lemonade out of that lemon. Um, oh, hold on real quick. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank That's you. Good. Um, fuel. Um, you know, older cars generally get lower fuel economy uh, than the newer ones. Um, insurance. Um, car insurance is more expensive uh, when, you're, when you're lower income. By the way, lower income drivers pay 59% higher insurance rate than higher income drivers with similar safety records. Take that. So, um, so, so, so it's expensive. Um, so, so what do we got? Uh, housing, uh, transportation and, uh, food. Let's move into, uh, healthcare, right? Healthcare is always a, a big issue and healthcare is a significant expense and multiple factors really combine, uh, to make it um, particularly uh, expensive for low-income Americans. Um, of course, uh, more health problems, uh, you know, being uh, lo- lower-income individuals and families, they, they do often live unhealthy. Uh, they might live in polluted areas because those areas are cheaper. Uh, cheap apartments, you know, cheap apartments are often you know, they'll, they'll have mold and dust. Um, we already talked about uh, low-income people having less healthy diets. Uh, they work in, in stressful, uh, sometimes dangerous jobs. Uh, they were on the front line because they were our essential workers. Um, you know, the, the, um, the servers, the um, uh, people who pick up, um, um, you know, the, the trash, things of that nature, um, and they face a lot of health challenges. They generally have a higher rate of diabetes, uh, heart disease, uh, than their more affluent counterparts. Um, and so, you know, this uh, makes it difficult, especially when you have less access to, in, to insurance. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I'm not going to get in, in, into a discussion about uh, our, our health, the way our health insurance is administered here in the United States of America, but really... <sighs> Our, insist, our insistence or America's insistence on tying health care or health insurance, I'm sorry, to employment really has left, you know, a lot of low-income people, you know, really facing, um, talking about a retirement crisis, but also facing an, an, an insurance crisis because uh, low-income Americans, they often work in seasonal part-time or occasional jobs, and they're often uninsured, and if they're, in, and if they're, they are covered by insurance, it's generally likely to be a little of low quality and it forces them to pay higher deductibles, 
higher co-pays, and higher out-of-pocket expenses. Just like I'm saying, people, it can be expensive or it is expensive to be lower income, right? Um, what, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, this is a big one. Let's talk about, uh, this is a financial show. Let's talk about uh, financial services and how expensive it is to be low income. So we've already talked about how weaker credit scores can leave low-income people paying more for mortgages and car loans. Um, but we already know that this applies to all kinds of loans uh, and credit cards. Uh, and, re- and, and weak credit, um, you'll pay more interest and you'll get, um, well, with weak credit, you're going to pay more interest and you don't get as many rewards. Um, but let's dive into this a little bit deeper because... There's a lot of uh, establishments um, that contribute to uh, the milking, I should say, uh, of uh, lower income folks. Um, you know, generally, you know, they live on a, on, on a shoestring budget. And of course, if they have an unexpected event happen, it can leave them in a hole. Um, and let's talk about some of these uh, establishments that are. Uh, generally in these uh, neighborhoods, which pulls away from their ability to save money for retirement or um, college, 529 plans, whatever that may be, right? So payday payday lenders, Um, a lot of you may be like, what's that? Well, a payday uh, loan is a, or a payday lender, they make these, what are called payday loans. Uh, They're basically short term and they're high cost loans of about $500 or less. So in a, in, in a particular scenario, a customer, you can go online for a payday loan for around that much. When, when you get that, you have to understand that when you read the fine print, you're going to be paying an exorbitant amount of interest. Um, I, I know uh, one example of, uh, that I've, I've run into over the course of my career is someone um, got a $500 payday loan. And in the fine print, they realized that they would be paying back $950, even if they paid the loan back by the end of the week. Um, and you know what that is? That's a lot of money. And it just pulls away from your ability to save and um, uh, uh, build uh, that, that future wealth uh, down the line. Um, according to a Pew Research, let me pull this up real quick because I, I, I had this stat. Um, that I wanted to share. There you go. Borrowers, borrowers spend $9 billion a year on payday lending fees. That is a massive tax to lower income folks. Um, of course, you got the rent to own places, right? Where you can rent a uh, vacuum cleaner for as little as five bucks a day. Um, you know, when I say rent to own, you're, you're, you're going to be paying for it for about five years, five bucks a day. And then you can see you're spending, you're spending uh, $1,500 for, you know, a small Hoover vacuum cleaner that if you went out to buy it, it would be about uh, 80 bucks. Right. Um, and so that is what I call a, a tax uh, on the lower income folks. Um, um, furniture, uh, same things. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, it can really cost, uh, you know, lower income people, uh, a lot of money. I'll, I'll give you a real time example. So, um, so if you go to, um, Ashley furniture, right. Um, there is a, uh, a piece of furniture, a, uh, a couch, um, for, uh, it was on sale for two, 
about two ninety nine, um, and its regular price was three ninety nine. But you can go to Aaron's Rent to Own to get that same couch for just fifty seven dollars a month for eighteen months. And if you do the math, which you don't have to, because I'll do it here for you, that's a thousand twenty six dollars for the same piece of furniture that would have cost you. Two ninety nine on sale, three ninety nine regular price. That, my friend, is why it is expensive to be lower income, right? And then, of course, I'm not going to talk about. Well, I will talk about a little bit about the extra fees um, that that you're that you're hit with, um, um, uh, whether it's checking fees, uh, if you're overdraft, overdraft fees, they just add up, um, and that doesn't help. Um, you know, credit card advance fees, if you do actually have a credit card, which is probably going to be a high interest credit card, um, a lot of times you need cash. And so uh, a lot of those credit cards, they do have the option where you can get a cash advance. But that interest rate is even higher. So even if you're paying a high, you know, 16, 18% for purchases, if you pull out any cash, that interest rate is generally around 25 to 29%. And, um, and you do see uh, a lot of, or the stats show that uh, in a lot of, you know, folks who have those credit cards and uh, will take out those cash advances and pay that higher interest rate. And, and most people don't um, think about those things. And so, um, you know, I really just wanted to, you know, to shed light on, you know, when we think about the retirement crisis, um, when we think about uh, the lack of savings that that people have, um, you know, there there are reasons uh, for that. Especially one is just the great risk shift, where um, retirement used to be uh, handled by your employer with the uh, use of a pension, and that all switched, where um, they basically transitioned uh, out of the pensions and then put the risk on the employee. So they would have to then pull money out of their paycheck that they would normally take home. But now the whole uh, train of thought is, hey, save 10 to 15 percent of your income, put that away for retirement throughout the course of your working career and uh, you'll be okay." Um, But really, when you take a, uh, a realistic view, most people have bills, household needs that they have to take care of. And as I outlined, when you don't have a high income and when you are low income, it handcuffs you and limits you to, you know, focus on the short term, which transportation, housing, uh, child care, um, uh, all the other stuff that, that, that I talked about that basically uh, is a lot more expensive when you have those lower incomes and more money goes out and you can actually save, which puts you in that bond. Wow. I love these uplifting, uh, these uplifting topics that, that we talk about, but uh, you know, it's just something that you have to think about. I like to put a good reality, uh, put, 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 a, put the reality out there so people can really think uh, and plan. And so what are some solutions? I'm going to talk about some of the solutions on how uh, you can avert uh, the retirement crisis that is on the horizon. We're listening to The Marcus Warren Show. All right. Yes. So this is 
once again, Destiny's Child. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the song is Survivor. By the way, which came out in uh, 2001. Okay. Uh, so a couple of years later, two, three years later. Yeah. Uh, number two in the U.S., number one in the U.K. Yes, it was. Which does. This is when they uh, went from uh, four members to three. Oh. They kicked somebody out. They did. Kicked two people out, didn't they? No, they, yeah, they kicked two people it, out and, and brought another one in. Yeah, they brought in Michelle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. One of them. Yes, I know. Everybody just knows Beyonce. That's right. Well, I'm Kelly. Well, I'm Michelle. Who? You do. Yeah, I guess. everybody. Anyway, welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can survive and request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net, warrenwealth.net, and you will receive a retirement rescue game plan that will help you survive the many perils of retirement. We're talking about inflation risk, stock market risk, and more importantly, tax rate risk you gots to protect your hard-earned money from the IRS. Once again, go to warrenwealth.net and you will receive that retirement rescue game plan. All right, so um, I spent the first couple of segments, first part of the show, talking specifically about uh, why it is so expensive to not have money, to be lower income, right? Uh, I laid out a number of different reasons why that's the case and how you can get into this cycle of, um, you know, poverty, if you will, um, that uh, just keeps you in that lower income uh, uh, environment. And it's tough to, to push out when you're only focused on the short term. It's tough to push out because uh, you have your bills, bills, bills that you have to pay. And um, it's tough to focus on that long term. All right. So, what are some things you can do? I really just think it boils down to, um, you know, financial literacy. Um, I think once you know better, you can do better. Um, one of the things that, that we've done on our side is we, we've uh, partnered up with a, um, a, a nonprofit organization called the Financial Empowerment Academy that um, teaches classes, um, things of that nature about financial literacy, uh, talks about retirement, talks about taxes in retirement. Um, uh, a lot of different things to bridge that gap between, you know, the not knowing and actually knowing. And when you think about it, um, especially in regards to, uh, financial literacy, you know, it's, it's, it's really just important to know how, um, really it's the, the small things work. We're talking about, you know, um, you know, financial literacy being understanding, uh, credit, uh, how credit works, debt management, uh, uh, financial, uh, vehicles, checking savings, um, that makes it, you know, possible to, um, to get through, uh, this thing that, that, that we call life, um, you know, financial literacy, you know, understanding how all of those things work, um, it can really have a huge, uh, impact on you and your, your, your family's future, you know, knowing how to balance a budget, buy a home, fund your kids, uh, education, uh, or, you know, what we talk about in the, on the show all the time, ensuring for a, a solid uh, retirement, having income uh, in retirement. Um, and so, um, you know, what, you know, can you do um, uh, to get that financial literacy? Um, you know, because it really is not taught in schools when you really think about it. Um, uh, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't, isn't even taught in schools, but when you do have it, it does equip you with the knowledge and skills necessary to be able to manage 
your money effectively um, and uh, not going out there and uh, trying to obtain those skills, you know, can be detrimental because you want to focus on the long term. And it's tough um, when you don't have when you're not equipped with the tools, it leaves you just focused on the short term, which hinders you long term. There you go. Well, but I think, uh, I think it's also about starting early too. Yes. You know what I mean? Because most people, when they start thinking about retirement and saving for retirement, they're usually, it's usually pe- people who are about 10 or so years away from retirement thinking that, hey, I've got 10 years, let me start saving now. Yeah. But the uh, effect of compo- that compound interest has on starting when you're 20 or 30 versus starting when you're 40 or 50 is hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, That's it is. And, and there's stats, data, numbers back it up that, you know, it's even better off starting early, like starting at uh, 20, Mm -hmm. saving till 30, and then stopping and not saving another dime versus starting at 50, and then continuing to save all the way through retirement. The numbers show that the person who started at 20, even though they stopped at 30, they're going to have a lot much, much more money in retirement, just due to the fact of compound interest. All right. All right. Let's make this transition because we have, um, you have another uh, tax topic to talk about in uh, D's Tax Corner. Or woman. There we go. All right. Well, hey, speaking of financial literacy, you talk a lot about this um, during your tax workshops. Um, One of the reasons that we work under the assumption that taxes are going up in the future is because our country has a lot of debt, right? Just talked about not being able to manage your debt. Well, well, that's us, right? We're over $29 trillion in in debt, and that doesn't include things like Social Security or Medicare. The interest that we pay on our debt right now is low because interest rates are low. Yep. Once interest rates start going back up, the amount of interest that we have to pay is going to go up. So there's that problem. Then we have Social Security and Medicare. Many people are, more people are retiring now and pulling from those programs than people who are working and paying into those programs. Has to do with population trends. Baby boomers, uh, big generation, they're retiring now. They're pulling money out of those programs. So when you have more money going out than what's coming in, it's a problem. That's budget 101, right? Um, So, Taxes are going to have to go up in the future. We know for a fact they're going to go up once our current tax cuts expire. Who knows how much higher they'll have to get after that to pay for all of these things. A lot higher. So we look at who is going to be paying those taxes. And one of the things that you talk about in your workshop is that there are not enough high income earners to satisfy debts and deficits. And I think that confuses people. How can we not have enough rich people? What do you mean by that? We have Warren Buffett. We have Jeff Bezos. We have Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, uh, Bill Gates, Larry Page, Michael Bloomberg. And those are just the names of the people that we know. We look at Forbes, you know, 100 list of billionaires. 95 of them are names we don't know because they're hedge fund managers or they're, you know, whatever, own companies, whatever the case might be. They're all billionaires, but they don't pay very much in taxes as a proportion of their wealth. Yeah, there was that uh, that uh, ProPublica report mm-hmm. that, that went out that we actually talked about when it came out as yes. far as the disproportionate amount. I think it was, 
what was this four or five percent or yeah, two like three percent, two or three percent of their wealth, yeah, uh, their wealth that they actually pay uh, in taxes. That that's why you hear about these wealth taxes and things of that nature. But mm-hmm. why is that? Why, well, how, the, the key. How do those numbers work? The key word that you want to look at is high income earners. Income. So Warren Buffett takes a salary of a hundred thousand dollars. He's a billionaire. He takes a salary of $100,000. That puts him in the 12% tax bracket if he files mm. with his wife. Yeah. Elon Musk doesn't take a salary from Tesla. Yep. Zero. That's zero W-2 income. Yep. Jeff Bezos uh, paid himself an annual salary of $81,840 for 20 years. Yeah. Billionaire. Mark Zuckerberg pays himself $1 salary. He, he gets $1 on line seven of his 1040 as W-2 income. Wow. Larry Page, $1, CEO of Google, paid himself $1. They're not paying income taxes because they're not taking income. Most of their wealth is tied up in stocks from their companies or other assets like, you know, yachts, jets, uh, properties, uh, other vehicles, fine art. And the thing about capital assets is they're only taxed when sold. Or sometimes you might have some capital gains, but those are taxed at favorable rates. Yes, they're taxed at lower rates than income tax rates. And they're also able to support their lifestyle by borrowing against these assets. So they take out loans against their stocks. They usually end up receiving lower interest rates uh, than uh, even under prime. Um, the cash from those loans is not taxable income because it's a loan. Yeah. You don't pay taxes on loans. Um, and then they might have to pay some of it back with some interest, and they might be able to write off some of that interest on their taxes. Yeah. Uh, they might also utilize life insurance, which is not taxable income. You know, I, I, I say it all the time that, um, you know, the IRS tax code, uh, it's thousands of pages. Um, there are what we call red lights uh, in the tax code, which means, you know, just literature, literature, just um, information and, and words that will have you pay uh, taxes. But then there are also green lights. Um, that basically are ways that you can legally avoid mm-hmm. paying an exorbitant amount or any taxes. Mm-hmm. And when you utilize those green lights, uh, you'll, you'll put yourself and your family, you put, it in, you put yourself in better situations. Now, that is basically all that the previous billionaires that you just named, mm-hmm. that is all they are doing. They are not uh, evading taxes. They are just using what is available to them and using it to their advantage. Now, um, that does not mean that uh, the listeners out there can't utilize some of those strategies too. Mm-hmm. You know, you talked yeah. about you know borrowing against um, their their assets, things yes. of that nature. Yes. Loans don't count as income. Yes. Security backed loans that they're out there. You talked about life insurance. Life insurance is huge in regards to. Uh, utilizing that as income, especially in retirement, that comes in uh, uh, down the line. <coughs> that's that's tax free because you're taking uh, some of that money in in the form of loans. And you know these are just concepts that aren't put out to mainstream America. So when I know we've been in the situation where we've talked to people about these strategies, and some of them do it. Uh, most of them don't because they've never heard of it. Right. And of course, you're not going to hear of it. It's not going to be mainstream because. Uh, it, it, it's just not, but do you know who, who is mainstream to the millionaires and billionaires who utilize those strategies to pay less than taxes and all we do, or a lot of people do, all they do is just get mad and upset right? and they don't think, huh, what are they doing? Let me try to do it. Now I will say this. I will say this. The last thing I want to say is, you know, 
there are certain folks who get screwed. If you are a W-2 employee, you've been very successful. You're a doctor, an attorney. You work for someone. You're a big-time salesperson. You get that W-2 from your employer, and you make three five $500,000 or mm-hmm. whatever, a couple, you know, three five hundred, six hundred thousand $600,000. Yep. Yes, you are paying fifty over 50% in taxes. It's yes. going out in state and federal income taxes. And yes, those are the people who end up really getting screwed in the form of of taxes because there's uh, there are some things you can do, but... Very little. Not too yes. much, especially while you're working. Yes, and especially now that we've gotten, uh, you know, as, at least our current tax code is suspended, allowing unreimbursed employee expenses. So as an employee, you can't, even if, say, you're working from home now and you might yes, have to pay for right. your home office, you can't even deduct that if you're getting a W-2 because it's just not ta- tax deductible right now. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's out there. But, you know, the bottom line for, for you know, what, what, what you're trying to get across is there's uh, – you know, there is a there's a big discrepancy uh, in the way that uh, the rich uh, pay taxes or don't pay taxes mm-hmm. uh, than uh, the working class for the most part. But as I always say, there are also ways that the working class and the little guy, so to speak, you can put more money in your pocket and less than Uncle Sam's. Thank you, D, for that tax corner. Because I'm the tax man. Or woman. All right, so coming up next, we're going to get into some news you can use and news you can't use listening to The Marcus Warren Show. is meatloaf yes i'd do anything for love but i won't do that yes um and this song came out in 1993 okay number one in the u.s and the uk okay and um so what is that uh, whatever you want it to be oh. by the way um okay why are we playing this song this uh, is, uh, just recently passed away yes he did recently pass away um Young age. You I think he was 70. Yeah, 74. 74. R.I.P. Eat loaf. All right. Welcome back to the show, the Marcus Warren Show. Remember that you can request your retirement rescue game plan. All you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. That's warrenwealth.net. You will receive a physical packet of information, a copy of my two books, some financial reports, and access to my webinar entitled Taxes in Retirement. Once again, all you have to do is go to warrenwealth.net. It is time, my friends, for some news you can use. Well, just in time for the IRS opening officially tomorrow, the IRS is also prematurely sending some Americans collections notices, even though they already filed their returns from last year. This Mm. is, of course, due to a 
huge backlog of still unprocessed returns from 2021. Uh, This is according to a report from the national taxpayer advocate Erin Collins. She warns that the IRS took too long to process taxpayer responses to notices, delayed refunds, and in some cases sent them collection notices even though they have already filed and paid their taxes. Um, They sent tens of millions of notices to taxpayers in 2021, 14 million math error notices, automated (laughs) underreported notices, um, where an amount on their tax return did not match up with what the financial institutions sent to the IRS on 1099 forms or W-2 forms, and notices requesting a taxpayer to authenticate their identity. In many cases... Mm. Um, taxpayer responses were required, and if individuals fail to respond, the system's usually automated. So they automatically will send out another notice, yes. even if you might have responded, and they just didn't process that response yet. Yeah, they are so far behind. It, it's ridiculous. And, uh, you know, really with, with any notice you get from the IRS, especially if it's a notice to just pay, uh, hey, we did your return for you, or hey, you forgot this, just pay us this amount. Don't just send them a check. Yeah. The IRS is banking on you to, to send them a check. Um, uh, it's like I was saying earlier, if you know better, you do better. But what you need to know is that when you get that, um, you know, if you can, question it, check your records. Uh, if you're able to uh, work with a, a tax enrolled agent who can then uh, represent you in front of the IRS and make sure that you owe what they're saying you owe. Whatever it may be, but don't just rush to, to pay it. I know that the IRS banks on it because when you get that letter from the IRS, mm-hmm. even before you open it, yes. boy, are you nervous and thinking, oh. what is this? What's going on? Even if you're even up and up on, on, on all your taxes, yes. which most people are, but you look at it, you're just nervous. Just yes. the way you get, you get so scared. And a lot of times the IRS is not right. Uh, they're behind and you've done, you've already paid something or you already sent something in a verification or something in and they're still sending you yet another letter because it's a cluster over there in the United States Treasury. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. What else? Okay. U.S. stocks stumbled on Friday, closing out a losing week and a rough start to 2022. The Nasdaq yes. composite. Mm-hmm. Nasdaq was hit the hardest on Friday. Tech heavy index. It's had it. it its worst week since 2020 was down 2.7% on Friday alone. I think it's down about 10%, officially in correction territory, down 10% for yep. the year. Um, Dow and S&P 500 also closed out their third straight week of losses, worst week since 2020. The S&P 500 is 8% from its record close. Um, Netflix, uh, disappointing report, was a major contributor to, of course, the NASDAQ. Uh, Netflix shares fell 21% on Friday alone. Yeah, with, with, with Netflix. Netflix put out guidance basically saying, hey, um, you know how we are, our subscribers were, were going up. It's kind of flattened out and, you know, it's not increasing, you know, as, as rapidly as it was. And it's for a number of different reasons. Number one, it's just the pandemic uh, is basically over, over turning yeah. more into an endemic. You know, people are out and about doing whatever they're doing. That's why you actually see a lot of these uh, pandemic stocks, uh, the Zooms, the what the Pelotons, uh-huh. a lot of those you see, they have uh, came back to reality. Yes. Um, and, you know, kind of the same with, with Netflix. That's number one. But then number two, it's just competition, man. Oh, I yeah. mean, Disney Plus is is, is, mm-hmm. is out there. Um, what is it? HBO Max. Mm-hmm. There's so many more streaming. Amazon Prime now. And uh, there's, so, uh, there's so much competition now that you're not, they're not growing as fast. And, yeah. of course, Wall Street 
reacted like they normally do when they put out some guidance and it, it dropped uh, it dropped pretty good. Yeah, there you go. that's right. And of course, uh, we talk about this all the time. Down markets can be uh, uh, really significant to retirees, especially with, with something called the sequence of returns risk. If right. you're uh, taking money out while the market is going down, um, it's a lot more risky than otherwise obviously yeah i mean you know you never know when when you're uh when you when you retire what's going to happen that next year or, or a couple of years out of retirement and what i mean by that is that generally when you talk about sequence of return risk um you know if you retire and then the market drops you know that first couple of years uh right out of retirement it can significantly impact how long your money's going to last versus if you retire and you have two or three years of good market returns, um, even though you might experience uh, down markets later in later in life or late, later in your retirement. It's just uh, um, it's just tricky out there, and that's why as you get closer to retirement, you need to make sure that you're not greedy. You don't let that greed kick in, which a lot of people have let that has let that greed kick in, and they forgot about the way that markets correct because we've been artificially inflated for the last 10 years with the money pumping into the system. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know if the chickens are going to come home to roost, but, uh, you know, just like you said, we are in correction territory and we shall see how 2022 plays out. Although my crystal ball tells me it's, uh, um, the way it's trending now, I could see more of that, the remaining, the remainder of the year. Not that it's going to go continue to go down for you know eleven straight months, but uh, twenty twenty two may not be what we experienced in twenty twenty one or even twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. All right, right. Uh, let's do one more. Okay, Twitter. Our, our Twitter Inc. is going to start allowing some users to use non fungible tokens as their profile pictures, trying to jump into the digital goods business that has exploded over the last year. You're shaking your head because you're like, who cares? I don't even know. Who cares? I don't even know what it means. I mean, I. Anyway, go ahead. So the feature, uh, which launched on Thursday, is being offered to users of Twitter's blue subscription service. Twitter now has a subscription service. Oh, yeah. One of the smartest things they've done. Uh, It marks the company's biggest push into NFTs. Um, So basically, they're saying um, they're just allowing users to to use NFTs that they purchase. You have to purchase an NFT as a profile picture. Um, uh, Oh... Yeah, one of uh, Twitter's uh, product leads said Twitter is trying to position itself as a social network for discovery, conversation, and education around NFTs, blockchain, of course, blah, 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 right, exactly. It's (laughs) funny, though, because uh, they already are experiencing some issues where you can screenshot. This is why we talked about NFTs all the time. You can screenshot an NFT and use that as your profile picture, too. So it's it's probably not what Twitter intended, being able to screenshot it and use it. They probably intended it to be like other purchases where you have to actually purchase the NFT and then be able to say, Hey, I'm the owner of this NFT. Here it is as my profile picture, but it already, people are already able to get around that by just taking a screenshot of it. Yeah. That's all over my head. The NFT stuff. I'm I'm trying to uh, get a grasp of it. Why? I don't know. Just because I, you know, from what I understand it's the future, but who knows? Um, But anyway, we shall see how that works out. These NFTs, I'm telling you, they're just, uh, um, interesting to me. Anyway, now, thank you for that news you can use, D. Now, if we left you all with that, I know that that would be enough, but we have to give you what you want, and that's the news you can't use. (laughs) 
you love it when we talk about Guinness World Records. So a 19-year-old Belgian pilot broke two Guinness World Records this week, okay. becoming the youngest woman to circumnavigate the globe. Okay. There now, we go. That's more that's like it. That's yeah. a decent world a record because yes. we've had, um, you know, someone try to do it. Wasn't it Amelia Earhart? Didn't she try to go around and well, we never saw her again? Amelia Earhart did. Sir. Didn't she? she? Did. I don't she know. Said, I thought she but made she tried it. tried to do it again and then we haven't, we haven't found her since. Still out there? You know what? Or was I'm that Harry? Sure. Did she finally come back around? Is, is no, that, no, it's no, not her. This is not. This is a 19-year-old girl from oh, Belgium. Interesting. Um, who just her. started flying about a year before she attempted this feat? Okay, was she by herself? Yes. Oh, she solo. Was? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, solo. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's okay. right. A 32,300-mile journey. Uh, youngest woman to circumnavigate the globe. First woman to circumnavigate in a micro-light aircraft. So it was, I guess, a special a little hang glider. Lighter, yes, no lighter way. aircraft. Uh, she took, uh, or her route spanned 52 countries, five continents. She had to stop, of course, and yeah. prepare, yeah. you know, get, get some gas. Get some, yeah. get some gas. <laughs> yeah, and then there's some weather conditions yeah. that stopped her for a little while, but yeah. she did it. That's good. Now, see, that's, that's a decent world record. All right. We got time for one more. All right. That's a good one. A Michigan woman discovered her email spam folder, uh, checked her email spam folder, and received a good message she Uh-oh. discovered that she had won a three million dollar lottery jackpot and they said that she doesn't have the ticket does she I mean, how does how do they know what she you don't write your name on a lottery ticket part she bought it online she said oh. she got a facebook ad that the mega millions jack which is i think this is funny i uh, saw a facebook ad that the mega millions jackpot was getting pretty high so i went on my account online you could buy your ticket online now really boy they make it convenient uh, to oh, yeah, just they do. take your money that's right and then you never see it again yes that's and then it went into you know she wanted a few months ago it went into her spam folder she was looking for another message that went into her spam folder saw the one from michigan lottery discovered she won three million dollars now she's saying i'm gonna retire early she's 55 she's like great nice. i won this now i can retire early. That was legit, right? It wasn't from a Nigerian that, king I was who just said about you won say, uh, $3 million. All you have to do is send us $1,000 and we'll give you your $3 million, right? It wasn't, want, it wasn't that one. Yes. I want to make it clear to our that listeners. One. Yes. Yes. That is not real. Those messages. And I'm still waiting on my, my, from, my money, by the way. Okay. I sent that Nigerian king his $1,000. He just needed $1,000 really I'm, quickly and from and you yeah, in order waiting, to give you his yeah. inheritance, right? I'm, I'm waiting to get that back. Man. I mean, it's only been two years, but okay. you know, I'm, I'm going to give it another year and I'm going to You know, there's right? a pandemic. Yeah. There's, there's stuff, stuff going so, on. You know, hey, I'm just, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yes. But uh, yeah, so that's interesting. Three no, million bucks, huh? Yes. Actual Michigan lottery. This was not a Nigerian prince. Wow. Good. Good for her. That was definitely news you can't use, but at least it was some good news that you can't use. And we all know what that music means behind me. It means that we've come to the end of the show. I want to thank everyone for listening. Have a great week and take it easy on this Sunday. Thank you for listening to the Marcus Warren Show. For more information or to request your retirement toolkit, contact Marcus at 502-339-8255. Or visit his website at talktomarcus.com. Warren Wealth Management and Tax Planning and WGTK are not affiliated. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any financial vehicle. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with a professional specializing in the fields of tax, legal, accounting, or investments regarding the applicability of this information for their situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested.